It says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Lord, we thank you. And we ask that you help us to be those people that follow you and that serve you. And we thank you in advance for the honor that you will give. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move through the aisles, touch each heart, change people. Put a, a, a dissatisfaction in their heart that makes them want to be better, to be more like you. Let us be content with where we're at, but never satisfied. I pray that you move for, through signs and wonders in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it is that Independence Day weekend. Um, on this day in 1776, the Declaration of, of Independence was approved by the Continental Congress. Now, for you history buffs, there were 13 states, right? Original colonies. They weren't called states. And these 13 colonies set our country on the road to freedom as a sovereign uh, nation. They were under persecution. There's a lot of talk nowadays about separation of church and state, which is never in the Constitution. Don't you believe it? It's never been no type of law made. It's all been said so much that people begin to believe it. They made this country so that we can have freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. We are a Christian nation based on laws. These men, men came together, and in July of 1776, these men who just were leading a very small nation, the estimated number of people living in these 13 colonies was just 2.5 million people. Think about that. That's how our country started. And, and it's hard to imagine 2.5 million. There, I think there are 3.2 million people in the metro Denver area. So all the people in Denver, metro Denver, constituted the first nation that began what we call the United States of America. California Last year, no, 2014, had a population of over 38 million, 249 people per square mile. Texas, 26 million. Florida, 20 million. New York, just under 20 million. Illinois, 13 million. Pennsylvania, around 13 million. So you can see there was not a lot of people that said we are going to sever ties with the, with, with, uh, England. We were the first Brexit. You guys, you guys are watching the news. Brexit, where the uh, England, 
left the United Nations or the, uh, rather the European Union. You guys aware of that? You guys not aware of that? Well, I'm trying to hit you on that one right there. They left the European Union. Well, we, we left them first. Amen? But you got to imagine the, 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 the climate. New York City has like eight and a half million people. So here you have a group of men, several dozen, who said, you know what, we're tired of this, uh, what we're living, the way we're living. We're tired of, of not being able to determine our own future. And we're tired of this king who's so far away telling us that we have to give him money. And that's basically what it was about. It was about being taxed too much. And you think about this small nation, and we look at where we're at now, based on the blessings of God. We have one birth every eight seconds. One death every 13 seconds. Right? We have one international migrant, we mean the legal kind, every 33 seconds. So we have a net gain of one person every 12 seconds. So every 12 seconds, our great country grows by one person. Every 12 seconds. Why? Because people all over the world, no matter how bad we, we might think we are, want to come here. They're not running and, and, and wanting to go to Moscow. They're not heading for, for Shanghai. They're not heading for any other place. They're heading for this, the United States of America. One nation under God. The Declaration of Independence was drafted by the man, a man by the name of Thomas Jefferson between June 11th and June 28th of 1776. But the ideals that Thomas Jefferson, that he wrote it, but he wasn't the one who came up with these ideals. Hmm? The, the political philosophy of the day when people would talk, you know, they have those, the, the, the water fountain talks, or they're talking about how they wish life were and how they want it to be. Well, these philosophies that came out and that Thomas Jefferson wrote down for our independence came out from a man by the name of John Locke who had cohorts that would talk to each other about what life is about and how it should be and how it would be great if one day men were free to determine their own destiny. And so they would talk about these continental philosophers would talk and talk and talk and dream of a day. And then one day, the dream became a reality. Jefferson summarized these, this philosophy in self-evident truths. And he set forth a list of grievances to the king in order to justify before the world why these 13 colonies of 2.5 million people were going to rebel against him. While we as a nation celebrate our independence, here's the unfortunate fact. Many are still in bondage. There are a lot of people who are unable to do as they wish. Some are led by strange doctrine. Others are trapped by sin. See, it is good to live in the United States of America and celebrate Independence Day. Tomorrow, we get to go to the park, eat, and get fat. Don't we? However, I'm saddened by the fact that even in this great free nation, many, if not most, are not free at all. So your freedom is not determined by uh, uh, your ability just to get up in the morning. Your freedom is determined by whose will you follow. See, John 8, 36 reads, Son, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, aside from that, whether you, you, do, you lay out a cherry bomb, a skyrocket, 
or do what Corey does, put gunpowder in a, in a liter bottle and blow it up. Doesn't matter what you do. So we're, we're, we were working on the building the other day, and yesterday, actually, and I heard a boom. And I'm saying, I go, I, I, I was working, didn't move. I go, that's Corey. Because only somebody that country could come up with that. Amen. <laughs> He's out there in the boondocks doing stuff. He shouldn't be. Anyway, let me get back over here. So when your freedom, you have, it comes to, and, and, and it only comes when you come to an understanding that God's in charge. See, if you are not that person where you think you're in charge of your family, you think you, you got it all together, listen, you are in bondage and you are not free at all. I would dare say you can't celebrate Independence Day. Ephesians 5.15 reads like this, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as wise, but uh, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So liberty really begins when you understand the dynamic of God's will. See, God wants to make us holy. Now, you know, sometimes I wonder about how God, how in the world, why in the world would you look at us? When I say us, I'm looking at uh, just us, but the world in general, and say, I want to make these people holy. Why and how? Because we know who he is. Amen? And when you look at us, I've just got to be honest, that's like an impossibility. But nonetheless, God believes that you could be holy, that I could be holy. Well, not holy in our own righteousness, but holy in his. But the problem, the thing that keeps you from that is you following your will, not his. Hmm? See, those who want to follow God's will must grasp this concept of God's holiness. God gives us holiness so we can fellowship with him. See, without that holiness or that, when I say that, that given holiness because of the blood of Jesus, then there is no fellowship. We're separated from God, but God wants to fellowship with us. Why? Because this fellowship frees us from being slaves to our own will, to our own nature, and gives us liberty. What appropriate song. The, the, the worship team didn't know what I was preaching about other than uh, they, they didn't know anything I was preaching about. But what did they come up with? No more shackles. No more chains. No more bondage. I am free. Yeah. Right? And that comes by following God's will. And God's will is going to trip you out. It'll surprise you. God's will is not like our, our way of thinking. See, surprises for God when he moves are the rule rather than the exception because he doesn't move the way we think. You know how we, we have it all planned. God, I want you to do this and do this and do this and do this, and it never works out that way. If it works out that way and you claim it to be God, you are not only not free, you're foolish. Huh? No, God works his way. God, God surprised may often shake us to the core, but they are designed to stretch us, to strengthen us, huh? and to teach us his will. God's will comes in and opens and closes doors. 
And the door that you choose will determine your path. He's not going to force you. He'll give you a door. You either follow God's will or you'll follow another will because other doors will open. Hello, somebody. Young man, young lady, the wrong door might open. The only problem when that door opens, you'll see somebody with nice tight jeans on and then you're going, whoa, I like that door. Well, did I say that? Yeah, I did. Why? Because all these voices are, are vying for your attention. And either you follow God's will or you follow your will, your, your fleshly desires, and then you either are in bondage or you're free. Hmm? To these, the answer is he is the potter and you're the clay, right? But it, it, we're the only kind of clay that can look up and say, no. Imagine that. We're the only clay. Well, maybe us and Cassius clay. Amen. <laughs> we could say, no, don't do that. And God will back off. But he wants to mold you. He wants to strengthen. He wants to, to change you. Revelation 3, 17, 7 rather, reads, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Oh, my goodness. Think about that right now. God knows your deeds. Now, right now, you guys looking good, smiling, brush your teeth. You got a nice cologne on. Right, you look good. You all look great. Right? And I'm going to believe that you're a man and a woman of God. I'm going to believe because I, I choose to believe that. I have to. But God knows your deeds. Now, you go back 30 days. Go back 30 days. Go back 30 days. Go 30 dirty days. 30 dirty days. God knows your deeds. Huh? And then we say we're free. Are we? Are we free or are we still in bondage? God knows. He knows your deeds. He says there in verse 8, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and I have not denied my name. Check that out. That's all it takes. See, he knows what you're up to. He said, but you have a little power, and you have kept my word and not denied my name. I'm going to open this door for you. The door is open now. Not that you're perfect. He knows your deeds, but you have not denied him. Now the door is open. Right now, some people, God is speaking to your heart. You need to, you need to commit to be more faithful. You need to get involved. I'm calling you to be a leader. I'm calling you to be a pastor, an evangelist. This pastor wants to raise you up to send you up. The door's opening. You have to walk through it. The ones who walk through it, see, it's never the most talented that walk through the door. Never. It's only the most available. God doesn't use the talented. He uses the available. The dynamic of God's will, uh, of God, is he closes the door and he opens another. He may never explain it. He'll just do it. Right? See, God is sovereign. We have to understand that he's in complete control. His closed door, no man can open. His open door, no man can shut. Why? Because he needs to teach you to follow his will. Because unless you learn to follow him, you'll follow everything else. 
And if you follow everything else, listen, my friend, you're not free. Freedom is only found in following God's will. God controls every opportunity and, and is responsible for the results. And that's a good thing. If God's responsible for the results and you're following him, then you have nothing to fear. But if you're not following him and you're following your own plans, guess who's responsible for the results? You. Now, you're going to make all these results, and then you're going to have the audacity to make your own decisions, do your own thing, and then say, God, help me when it gets all messed up. Do you think God's going to help you? Let me answer for you. I'm going I'm I'm to answer in 10 different languages right now. Ready? No. No. Another language. Spanish. No. <laughs> See, I'm bilingual. You, you catch that? Huh? No, no, no. We have to be careful. We have to follow God's will. Huh? And listen, and this is the hard part of being free in Christ. Because yeah, you'll see a door and it looks good. Because I've been there. And you go, that is a great door. You're walking toward it. Right when you get to it, God shuts it. And you're thinking, that can't be God. Why would God do that to me? Listen, when God shuts a door, keep looking. Because when he shuts one, he's opening another somewhere. It's not that he doesn't walk, he wants you to walk through a door. He wants you to walk through the right door. Following his will, huh? Hmm? See, it's not our job to make God's plans work. It's his job to make them work. Huh? And never forget, when God closes a door, it is in order to open a better one. Believe I've had doors, man. God gave me the dome. You, guys remember, you know the dome, right? Colorado Music Hall. Now it's called um, Stargazers. I got that. That, that building for a, for a song and a dance. Da, 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 right? And I said, man, God, you're good. Man, I walked in, I literally walked in this building with no money. Right? I had this big building because I was, I'm going to say like this, I was dumb enough to ask for it. I should have asked for it. I know, I look back, God didn't want me to have that building. Why? Because if he wanted to be, I'd still have it. So, you know, you look back at hindsight, it's 2020, now God's teaching me. He goes, remember you were there on, on, on St. Rain, and I was in the sanctuary, and I was weeping before the Lord, and, and, and I told God, I, I, want, I, I came out of my mouth when I was preaching, I want a dome building. Then I go, why do I say a dome building, right? And it's, I just started, started thinking about it. Next thing I know, because I spoke it, when you speak things into existence, they happen. Next thing I know, I get this building. And I go, wow. And it was, here's the key. I wanted it. God didn't want it for me, but he wanted to teach me a lesson to be careful what you ask for. So I got it. And that building almost killed me. Literally, almost killed me. It was, it was the biggest burden in my life. You should have just put that building on my back and walk around. And I learned a whole lot about managing properties, finances, investments, pain, suffering, disloyalty, leaders leaving you, people talking about you. It all happened in the dome. That was my cave of Abdullah. Uh, so I look back. I said, okay, I, I, that, that's, that, that's not what I wanted. So God closed the door, right? He, now check this out. I'm getting off track, but I got to finish that story because it's a good story. I was losing the building. I was two weeks from foreclosure. 
Nobody knew this but me and my wife. I was going to the county court and trying to figure out how to keep this thing. Couldn't keep it. It was losing it. And within a week and a half, I can't even say his name, Dick Licardi, the realtor, said, hey, I know somebody wants your building. But he wants it at this price, this, that, that, that. And I didn't, he didn't know I was going to. No one knew, just me. And I go, what did he want? What is he going to give me for it? I go, and I'm thinking, and I'll take anything for it. You know what I mean? But I'll try that cool, you know, cool suave. Well, let me, let me uh, contemplate this for a little while. And he gave me just enough to cover all my bills, including the, the mortgage, and enough to get me into another building. And... This is a commercial building. We did it within two weeks. Now, if you know anything about closing a house, you can't even close a house in 30 days. You can't. It's impossible. So I'm thinking, I'm going into foreclosure in two weeks. If these people find out that it's going into foreclosure, they're going to pull the deal and steal it from me. You know how it is, right? Within two weeks, it was closed, and I walked out with a check of, with $30,000 left over after I was going into bankruptcy. I'm not bankrupt, I'm foreclosure. What? See, God opens the door because you open your mouth. Sometimes he'll give you what you want. Be careful what you ask for. Then he closes it. Why? Because he wants, he has a different door. Amen? And so when you take the wrong door, I'm speaking from experience. Good luck. Because you'll make it back. He ain't going to send you to hell. But you will feel like you're in hell. Hello? So, so be careful. Take the right doors. So I'm convinced that God speaks not out of burning bushes in our burning hearts. Well, let me say it like this. That God speaks not out of burning bushes, but out of our burning hearts from within. He used it. Now it's inside. Through the very process that God implanted in us, our reason, our conscience, our inner values, and our guilt system. God speaks in us, and he begins to tell you what you want, what you should want, what you should do. So when people say, I don't know what to do, Pastor, I don't, they know what to do. They're looking for maybe their way. But see, it would be inhumane, unfair for God to put something in you and you not know it, and to allow something to come in you and you not know it. People know. Here's the problem. People just want their way. So we have to deal with your way. Not the knowing what God wants you to do. You know, I talk to people over it all the time. Well, how come I can't do this, Pastor? You can do anything you want. It's up to you. But the results are reserved for God. Oh, yeah, you can go ahead. You can do anything you want. You can go out there and chase every woman if you want. It's on you, man. But the results are up to God. You catch some kind of venereal disease. You can get shot by somebody's husband. You can go. That's what the world is all full of. Go ahead and do it. Those doors are wide open. They're everywhere. Or you can follow this door, the narrow door. That says, no, you are the husband of one wife, faithful, loyal, commitment. I mean, there's a lot of doors. Which door do you want? Hmm? So there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof leads to destruction. And we're talking about if you want to be free, because you'll think you're having a good time. You'll think you're doing the right thing, but in the end, in the end, what will your regrets do for you? Hmm? So let's assume we've all accepted this truth. Now the question is, how can I learn about his will? Say, we all accept it. You know, I want to follow his will so I can be in his will. What do I got to do? See, the independence of God 
of God's will has, has no itinerary. I mean, let me back up. For us, there's no itinerary. In other words, we don't know really what he's going to do. He does, but we don't. And that's the hard part. So God's out. God called you. And you're like, I believe it, Pastor. I'm going to use you. I want to be used, Pastor. And then you come forward and say, God's called you. And now you expect some kind of plan, some kind of itinerary. It doesn't happen that way. If it happened that way, there'd be no need for faith. And if there's no need for faith, then you can't please God. Because the only thing that pleases God is faith. So he calls you in with no itinerary. In other words, you have a blank piece of paper, and you're saying, God, do whatever you want. That's the problem. People can't say, here I am, God, do whatever you want. You can say, here I am, God, but wait a minute. I got a career, and I'm like 10 years from retirement. I got this 401, 501, 601, 701, whatever you want. I got all these things in place. I will follow you. One man once said to Jesus, I will follow you. But first, let me go bury my father. Jesus said, no man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. Jesus was a cold dude. You know, because, you know, you hear some people, uh, oh, Jesus is love. He loves us. Shut up. Yeah, he loves you. But if you look back to the world, you're not fit for his kingdom. Because you know, Jesus is not into sloppy agape. I said, come on, ladies. Would you feel good if your husband said, I love you, and then came, came home once every two days? How long would that last? Charlotte, you love. Right? You'd be like, Ray Charles, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no. Well, that's what Jesus says. Same thing, but his more more poetic and biblical. If you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. And that's what he's saying. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more. What'd you say? <laughs> so you have to follow his will if you want freedom. If you follow your will, then you're bound to your will and get on with your good self or your bad self. Hello. See, when you're following God's will, God's will is illogical from the human point of view. Can I say that again? Doesn't make sense. See, trusting God makes no sense. Yet, that is exactly how we must follow him. Stop analyzing. Huh? Doesn't work. The only way to handle the inexplicable is to spend less time to figure out God. Because all you're going to do is give yourself a headache trying to figure out God. You can't figure out God. See, when you, when you can't explain a situation... I'm going to give you some great advice. When you can't explain a situation, quit trying. You know, I won't even pick up an offering for that one. That's a good one. Huh? So independence means we stop making the theological, or rather like this, we stop trying to make the theological into the logical. Can't. You can't take the theological that's divine, holy, has no reference point on earth. It's not constrained by the, by the sciences that we have discovered. It's not constrained by physics, biology. There's no limits to it. The, 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 the theological cannot be logical. It is not logical to think that Moses could put his hand in the sky and stop the sun. 
It's not logical to think that, 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 that Jonah could be swallowed by a fish. It's not logical to think that Moses could look at an ocean and t- demand it to open wide and split. It is not logical for Joshua to put his cane on the Jordan River, tap it, and for and it to stop a river. It is not logical. It's not logical to believe that God could come into my good-for-nothing neighborhood and find some dope-themed, violent young man and say, you don't have to be like that anymore. It is not logical. But that is where freedom lies. That is where you find your independence. I can say like this. There is no greater independence than being dead. Think about that one. No greater. See, when I'm dead, guess what? You can talk about me. When I'm dead, you can talk about my mama, my, my wife. You can talk about everybody. You can talk about my children. When I'm dead, guess why? Because I'm dead. I ain't got no feelings. I'm free. That's pretty free. You, when I'm dead, you can steal my car. When I'm dead, you can burn down my house. Why? Because it won't bother me. Because I'm dead. Free. See, that's what Paul was intending when he said, I no longer live. He tells his followers, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. In fact, the life that I do live, I live in Christ Jesus. He was expressing the freedom found in his death in Christ. See, there's three characteristics. I'm going to end with this, I think, maybe, of a dead Christian. One, they rest in the plan of a sovereign God. See, if God has a plan and is sovereign, you're cool with it. In fact, you don't care where he takes you. He can call you to, to, to Miami or Bombay. He can tell you to to pray for an hour or for a week. He can ask you to empty your wallet or keep it. So when you're dead, you're resting in the plan of a sovereign God. Hmm? That's when Paul is speaking to the Roman church when he says, and we know that God calls all things to work together for good to those who love God, those who are called. Not those who come to church. Not those who wear a Victory Outreach t-shirt. Not those who, who have some Jesus Saves shirt. Not those who wear a what would Jesus do wristband. No, he works without to good everything for those who are called. Simple. It's not just for everybody. It's for the called. Oh, are you called? I don't know. If you're called, what door are you walking through? Your door? So most people come to church and they want to walk at the back door. Hmm? See, a dead Christian, the second thing they understand is that God is molding them into the image of Christ, shaping them, molding them. In other words, they're going to go, you know, if you, I try to imagine myself, if I were a clump of clay, let's think about that. Now I was a clump of clay, just sitting there. How would I feel with somebody just sticking their hand, sticking, sticking, cut it out. You know what I mean? Some people don't even like shaking hands. 
You ever say, I want to shake? I don't want to shake your hand. Where the, where the hand been? We don't know where that hand's been. <laughs> that hand's been places where no man has gone before. <laughs> I'll leave that to your imagination. Oh, my. <laughs> but God is just imagine just probing and shaking and sticking and probing and shaking and shaking. And, and, and that's our life. We're on the word life. If we are dead in Christ, then we should be that, that clay where God is brushing and kissing and shaking. And what's wrong with your we should, be, we should welcome that. Isaiah in, 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 in chapter 29, verse 16, he says, shall the potter be considered as equal to the clay? And that's what happens in this man-centered gospel that people preach. Men believe that everything was created just for men so that we can live a good life. We can be a prosperous life. We can have everything we want. We can drive a Lexus, right? Have, have 80-inch screen, curved 3D, supernonic, digital computers or TV screen. You know what I'm talking about? That's not why God came to earth. My goodness. But that's that man-centered gospel that God's done everything for you. He's done nothing for you. Everything he's done is for his glory. It's for his purpose. And we should be glad that he allows us to step into his will to be a part of such glory when we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But he allows us to come into his will. Verse 16, shall the potter be considered equal with the clay? That what is made would say to its maker, he did not make me. Or what is formed say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. What a statement. Isaiah goes on to say in a later chapter of chapter 49, woe to the one who quarrels, quarrels, argues with his maker. An earthen vessel among vessels of earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, he has no hands? See, God is making you. God is forming you. His hands are not too short where they can't reach you wherever you're at. His mercy doesn't stop at your doorstep. It goes right into you, right into your every single room of your house. But you have to be open to his mercy. And how do you get open to his mercy? You say, God, I will follow your will. Let your call prevail in my life. Let your call prevail. These people that are following God's will, as my piano player comes forward, they face tests with courage on their knees. When confused, pray. When hurt, pray. When you are lost, pray. When you hate to pray, pray. So there's no other form that, that God placed her to communicate. He didn't bring Madam Chloe so you can talk to him. He doesn't provide the, the Sunday paper with the astrology to know what your sign can do today. No. Pray. That's the way he purposed our communication to be. Pray. When fear grips you, it grips you to the state of anxiety, causing you to ball up in your bed and wonder, why? Why, God? Why? 
Why? They pray. They pray. You get on your knees and pray. And it may be the hardest trip you've ever made, especially when you think it's not working and it hasn't worked because you've been praying. You get up one more time. You go to your prayer closet. You drag yourself there. And you pray. God is not a man that he should lie. God is the deliverer. He's our strength in a time of need. He's our high tower. He's where we go when we're hurting. And I guarantee you, he'll be there to meet you. He'll be there. He has never forsaken me. Oh, I have forsaken him. But nonetheless, he always, always, always has seen me through. Why? Because I just trust him. Forget the rest. I'm just going to follow you, God. I'm just going to follow you. So your independence starts and ends with prayer. So you have to pray your way into the will of God. Pray your way in. Don't try to pray your way out. So there's two kinds. I'm, I'm, I'm going to end with this, Willie. Because some people... They, pray, they like to pray their way out. What I mean by this is they do everything they want to do. They go places where they shouldn't be going. And then they end up in a mess. I'm talking Christian, not the world. They end up in a mess. And all of a sudden they remember, oh God, and they start praying. Oh God, get me out of this. Oh God, if you just deliver me, I'll serve you. I used to say that, you know, we call that, you know, jailhouse Christianity, but that's not really jailhouse Christianity because all Christians do that. Oh, God, I messed up. Uh, please, please, God, just one more time. Oh, God. And God, if you're lucky, he ain't, ain't going to teach you a different way. He'll, he'll oftentimes, he'll get you out of your mess. Right? Because you're praying your way out. Why don't you turn it around and say, God, I don't like that way no more. Because that's what I said. I, God, I don't like that. I don't like getting in trouble to learn a lesson. I don't like praying my way out. And he told me, simple, pray your way in. What do you mean? Pray your way in to my will. Pray your way in to my blessing. Pray your way in to my favor. Pray your way in to my anointing. Pray your way in. So when you begin to pray your way in, there's no need to pray your way out. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.